0: beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote many letters to the various churches which began under his missionary work. We also have a few of his letters which are more personal. Just before the letter of Philemon, we have his letters to Timothy and the letter to Titus. These letters give specific instructions to these brothers in the Lord who are leaders in the churches. His letter to Phil Philemon, which is before us this morning, is the most personal letter that we have of Paul. It's a very practical letter which deals with a specific situation in the life of Philemon. Philemon appears to be a wealthy man. For we glean from his letter that he has servants and that he has a house large enough for the local church to meet there. The woman mentioned in verse 2, Aphia, described as our sister, may well have been Philemon's wife, and Archippus may be his son. Archippus is described as our fellow soldier. This is all that we know about him, but it is a lot in the sense that we know that he is a Christian as well. As Christians, we are part of a spiritual war, and we are all soldiers together in the Lord's army. The boys and girls may know the song. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. And being in the Lord's army is what counts in life. Being with the Lord and with his believers, your fellow soldiers. When we are together, we can encourage each other and fight the battles together instead of alone. Any military unit must work together or it will fail. This certainly also applies to the Lord's army, to the Lord's work. The Apostle Paul does not have any sense of superiority in this letter. He introduces himself as a prisoner for Christ Jesus and speaks about all the fellow workers he can work with in the cause of Christ. Philemon is a fellow worker. Epaphras is a fellow prisoner. And Mark and Aristarchus, Demas and Luke are all fellow workers. Paul knows himself to be surrounded by his companions and fellow soldiers in the Lord's army. He does not act on his own, but as part of a larger whole. Why does Paul write this letter to Philemon? It becomes clear from the letter itself that Philemon had a bondservant named Onesimus, who ran away from Philemon and may have stolen from him. Philemon was not happy with Onesimus, but a lot has happened since Onesimus left Philemon. Onesimus has met Paul and has become a Christian through Paul's ministry to him. He has changed dramatically from what he once was. The time has come for Philemon to welcome back Onesimus, Paul writes to him. From this letter to Philemon, we learn about the impact that the gospel has on relationships between human beings, between brothers and sisters in the Lord. Being in Christ changes everything and becomes the most precious part of who we are. May our union with him transform everything about us. I proclaim to you God's word under this theme Paul exhorts Philemon to welcome back his runaway bondservant as a brother in Christ. We will consider first, Paul's thanksgiving, second, Paul's appeal, and third, Paul's confidence. After the customary greeting... Paul begins his letter to Philemon by giving thanks to God. He thanks God as he remembers Philemon in his prayers. Why does he thank God? Because he is hearing about Philemon's faith in the Lord Jesus and his love for all the saints. Philemon is someone who loves Jesus Christ, and he loves the saints. He is active in giving of himself For the benefit of his fellow believers. Paul gives thanks to God. When he hears this about Philemon. And Philemon is also active in trusting the Lord Jesus. Believing his words. Not doubting the gospel. But living it out. And he treats the saints in the same way. With the same trust and confidence. Because he knows that they are in Christ that they are made holy because of his work. He delights in trusting them and being confident in what they say because he knows that they have been renewed by the Spirit of Christ. All this makes Paul thankful to God, who is the source of such love, faith, and trust. As we read these words of Paul, the question naturally comes to us, whether we also share in Paul's enthusiasm here. Do we thank God for the faith and love which we experience or know about in the congregation? Do we rejoice in the spiritual maturity which we see in our fellow brothers and sisters? Or isn't that something we really think about much? We do well to carefully consider these words of the Apostle Paul and let them sink in so that we will more and more do likewise and stop and thank God for the many blessings he gives his church, including other faithful believers who love Jesus and the saints because of who they are in Christ Jesus. In this way, the body of Christ is built up and strengthened. Paul continues in verse 6, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. When we read this, then we can very understandably think about evangelism. Then Paul would be saying to Philemon that he prays that Philemon would tell others about his faith in Jesus Christ. And then there will be this benefit of doing so. That you will grow in understanding about the faith because you are so busy sharing it with others. When we talk about something to other people, then we also grow in understanding it better ourselves as well. Now this is all very true, of course. It is very good to be active in telling others about the gospel. And it is true that if you do that you will grow in your own faith and knowledge of the Scriptures as well. But that is not what Paul is talking about here. The word that's used for sharing is a word that's usually translated as participating. For example, in First Corinthians 10, Paul writes, "...the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ?" When we drink the wine at the Lord's supper table and eat the bread, then we participate in Christ. Then we show that we believe in Christ and are one with him. It is this participation in Christ that we share as believers. This is what Paul is writing to Philemon about and what he is praying for. Paul is praying that Philemon would be active in participating together in Christ with the other believers. As brothers and sisters together in church, it is important that we also speak to one another about the bond that we have in Jesus Christ. That is why it is also so good to attend Bible study societies where we can speak about what we have in Christ then we will grow in knowledge together and build each other up and encourage one another in the faith. There is a danger that we talk too infrequently about what binds us together, that we too infrequently explicitly express the union that we have together in Jesus Christ. But it is so important that we do that. Because then we will also grow together in Christ and in love for one another. Then we will truly build each other up and grow in the Lord. In verse 7, Paul expresses to Philemon that he has derived much joy and comfort from Philemon's love. The hearts of the saints have been refreshed through what Philemon has done. Paul calls him, my brother. What beautiful words to read. Paul praises Philemon for his love for the saints. These saints may have also included servants in his household who had become Christians. Philemon is known to be kind and loving in his interactions with his fellow believers. And this is refreshing for their souls. Brothers and sisters, beloved in the Lord, can you identify with Paul's words here? How good it is when there is harmony and unity and love among God's people. That is truly refreshing for the whole body of Christ. Each one of us has a role to play in showing this love to one another. When we do this through speaking to one another kindly... Through acts of Christian love and gentleness and generosity, and in so many other ways, then we become refreshing to one another. Then it is sweet and good to be part of the body of Christ. Then it is like the morning dew or fresh rain, which freshens everything up outside after a long dry spell. May we not have any long dry spells in our Christian walk of life, but rather let us be generous in refreshing each other with our love for one another, in speaking about our mutual participation in Christ and sharing our experience of the faith with one another. Then we will truly build each other up and grow in the Lord. In our conversations with one another, may we not dwell on only on the troubles and concerns of the day, but also deliberately and thoughtfully encourage each other in the Lord and in the treasures of Christ Jesus, our risen and triumphant Savior. Paul has been expressing his love for Philemon as a brother in the Lord and his joy in seeing his Christian faith. Through all this, he has also been building up to the appeal which he makes to Philemon about Onesimus, and so we come to the second point. Paul begins in verse 8 by writing to Philemon that he could just command Philemon to do what is required, but he would rather not do that. Instead, he wants to appeal to Philemon on the basis of love, the Christian love in which they share. He is appealing to Philemon to take his former bondservant Onesimus back. On the surface, this was quite a request to make, for fleeing your master was a serious crime which could be severely punished. It was up to the master to weigh what response to make. You can just imagine what must have been going through Philemon's mind. He would not so easily be in favor of taking an old slave back, a slave who had run away from him, possibly also stolen from him. He probably thought of him as a good-for-nothing. Paul also alludes to this when he writes in verse 11, Formerly he was useless to you. Paul is playing on the name Onesimus for his name means you useful. Philemon was probably not so eager to see him back again. His affairs had been really damaged by Onesimus' conduct. He wants nothing to do with him anymore. That is how Philemon could quite reasonably evaluate the situation. But now when Paul's appeal to him Paul introduces a game-changer in the situation, something that changes everything. Paul appeals to Philemon by saying that Onesimus has become Paul's child while Paul was in chains. Paul had no children of his own, but he now, as an old man, adopts, as it were, spiritual children who have come to the faith under his guidance and instruction. Onesimus is no longer the slave, the same that he once was. Formerly, he was a useless character, a thief, a runaway slave up to no good. But now he has been with Paul and has been very helpful to him while he was in prison. He has kept Paul company and has become very dear to Paul. He has been completely transformed. This is a new Onesimus, very different from the one which Philemon knew. Paul certainly knows what it is like to be transformed, and so does Philemon. Paul once hunted down Christians and thought he was doing a good deed. Paul approved of the stoning of Stephen. He had thought that pursuing and persecuting Christians was a good thing to do but how God changed him completely. Now he himself is in chains for the gospel of Christ. He has been utterly transformed. Formerly, he was useless to God, as it were. In fact, diametrically opposed to God in how he lived. But now he has become a most useful servant in God's hand in proclaiming the gospel far and wide and bringing many (coughs) and bringing many to Jesus Christ as their own Savior. Philemon would have experienced this change in his own life as well. We don't know exactly how or when he heard the gospel, but it had also changed his life. He treated his servants and his household well because he believed the gospel and knew of Christ's example of love and sacrifice. Paul stresses to Philemon how dear Onesimus has become to him. He calls him my child in verse 10. He also calls him my very heart in verse 12. Onesimus has become just as good of a companion to Paul as Philemon has been. Paul writes in verse 13... I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. Paul really doesn't want to send him back to Philemon. He is really enjoying his company and he is encouraging to Paul, just like Philemon has been. So why does Paul want to send Onesimus back to Philemon? Why is he making this appeal to Philemon? Because he wants Philemon to experience the joy of restoration with a former bondservant who had run away. It is the right thing to do, the Christian thing to do in the circumstances. But he wants Philemon to genuinely want to take Onesimus back. He does not want to force Philemon. Philemon has to want to do this himself. and That is why he writes in verse 14, But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own free will. Paul respects Philemon's person, and the fact that he can make his own decisions in this matter. It will require faith, and Christian generosity on Philemon's part, it will require a degree of sacrifice and humility to admit that his previous views on Onesimus as a useless servant, good-for-nothing person now no longer apply. Onesimus, just like Paul and Philemon, has become a changed person in Jesus Christ. It is Onesimus' union with Christ that makes all the difference. In verse 15, Paul speculates about God's providence. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. God works in mysterious ways. He is sovereign and has all things in his control. Nothing happens by chance. It could be that Onesimus ran away from Philemon in God's plan so that he would meet Paul and become converted to true faith in Jesus Christ. God's ways are so much higher than our ways. Everything in our life happens for a reason. We may not always understand it at the time, and sometimes we never will. But sometimes when we look back, we can begin to understand and discern God's reasons for things happening the way they do. Brothers and sisters, what we can learn from this for our own lives is that there is no such thing as a hopeless case for God. Philomen may well have thought that about Onesimus. But God can transform anyone through the power of his Spirit. Sometimes God humbles us by changing people whom we thought could never be changed or who would never change. And just look at ourselves. Does any one of us deserve salvation? Have we not all received it by grace alone? That applies to Paul and Philemon, but it also applies to each one of us. We are all wretched sinners who need God's love and grace so very much. Without him and his mercy and compassion, we are nothing. All praise and glory be to God, who has had mercy upon us and shown to us his kindness in Jesus Christ. And so Paul appeals to Philemon to receive Onesimus back as a brother in Christ, lay aside previous hurts and wrongs, and welcome him with open arms. Paul increases his appeal in verse 17 when he writes, So if you consider me, your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Paul places himself and Onesimus on the same level. Philemon is to regard both of them in the same way because they are both his brothers in Jesus Christ. What a powerful appeal. An appeal which cannot be denied by any Christian. Paul also shows his confidence that Philemon will grant his request. And receive Onesimus back, and so we come to the third point. Paul writes in verse eighteen that if Onesimus has done him any wrong, or owes Philemon anything, then he is to charge it to Paul's account. Paul knows that Philemon won't do that, but he offers anyway, showing Philemon how serious he is in his appeal. Perhaps Onesimus was worried about this in going back to Philemon. Paul takes care of all the angles and does not give Onesimus any cause for concern. Paul also knows that Philemon's love for the brotherhood in Christ will hold. And that Philemon will receive Onesimus as a fellow believer. Philemon's whole attitude has shown this to Paul. Paul also reminds Philemon that Philemon owes his salvation, humanly speaking, to Paul. So, why would Philemon be difficult now and look out for the last penny? That doesn't make any sense. And Paul is confident of this. Here is a chance for Philemon to show also that he loves the Apostle Paul by granting him his request. Paul states his confidence in Philemon in verse 21. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul continues to, in his use of tact toward Philemon, but he also clearly shows Philemon that he knows his transformation in Jesus Christ. He knows that Philemon will follow through because of all the evidence he has seen of God's grace working powerfully in him. And finally, Paul also expresses confidence in God's power in enabling him to be set free from prison. And then he can even visit Philemon and see him reunited with his former servant as brothers in the Lord. How wonderful that will be! Brothers and sisters, May this letter also touch your heart and refresh you in Jesus Christ, our precious Savior. What a bond we have in Christ. There is nothing else like it. It transforms our lives completely. May there not be division or lack of reconciliation among us. If we are at odds with one another, or regard some as being unworthy of our love, then how are we reflecting the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life? God has loved us so much that he was willing to send his very own son to die for us and save us from our wretched condition. If we are saved, then anyone can be saved. And if we together share in Jesus Christ, And have fellowship and communion with him and one another. Then how sweet and beautiful it is among the body of Christ. How good it is to refresh one another in the faith. And to speak to one another about the grace and mercy of God towards us. Let us then also show this grace and compassion to one another. And live together in true peace and harmony to the glory of God. Amen.